I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. It's the new year and we're heading towards spring. And you know what that means? Loads of people are going to be buying puppies. And that's why we're jumping on Zoom now to speak to writer and comedian Callie Beaton as she is getting a puppy. Callie, welcome to A Dog's Life. Thanks for having me, Anna. I'm very excited to be on your podcast. I love listening to it. So this is a big day for me. Oh, well, Kelly, it's fantastic. I'm so thrilled because I must say I've been on your podcast and it was such an honour, you know, because you're really big in the media and I was I was a bit scared going on your podcast, but I so enjoyed it because of all your work that you've done, you know, not only on The Apprentice, you've hung out with Alan Sugar. I have, and I'm actually about to be back on it. So at the moment, the way they're doing it, I'm, I'm definitely doing it in a couple of weeks. But the way they do it is because of COVID, you're on standby for a couple of episodes as well, and then they can switch people around if they need to. So with with that, at the moment, they're not letting you have your hair and makeup done when you do television because of COVID. Yeah. So you, if you're me, and half the thing you've got is your hair and your makeup and your teeth, I've got to have a whole makeup person on standby, a hair person. What I'm saying is, Anna, I think sticking to dogs rather than Alan Sugar is a good uh, thing to be doing for you in the new year. Well, please do find out, Kelly, if he is a dog lover. I'd be really interested to know, you know. Oh, I'd be interested. Do you know, I'm going to guess not, but that's terrible. I don't know why I'm guessing that um, because as, yeah, I mean, I was big in business and I like animals, so maybe he does. Not that I've been quite as successful as him. Do you think Karen Brady likes a dog? I'm guessing not. I don't know. You see, it's very interesting. Dog ownership really spans the whole spectrum. You know, who would have thought that, you know, even people like Ronald Reagan were mad dog lovers, and he was. Oh, and, was he? What sort of dog oh, yes. did he have, Anna? He had, a, he had a Scottish Terrier and other breeds, but I do remember specifically him having a Scottish Terrier, only because it's not an awfully popular dog these days. In fact, pedigree dogs are few and far between these days um, out in London Park. And, um, you know, I'm not sort of, you know, on this thing that we can't have designer crossbreeds and I love Heinz 57s. All dogs are brilliant. But I, I feel a little bit sad that the vista of dogs is, is now changing more towards designer crossbreeds for a multitude of reasons, Callie. But this kind of segues quite nicely as to why we were having quite a good chat last week about miniature wirehead Dachshunds. We were, we were, because, and you'll remember when you came on my podcast, so you, it's no great surprise to you that I've been massively toying with getting a dog. And as you know, I'm a massive animal lover. So I was brought up in, um, in the countryside, brought up in Dorset. We had dogs, we had, as a child, with every pet going, you know, ducks and goats and God knows what. So we were very much a, a sort of yeah, an animal kind of household. And I've always had cats and lots of other animals. My son's a zookeeper, so we've had no shortage of animals in the house with him I don't mean lions and tigers and bears but with him <laughs> cutting his teeth with his lovers out of animals so we've had various things and the reason I've held back so long in having a dog I'm very embedded in a few of my friends dogs lives so I, I, I see and walk dogs many times a week they're just not my own 
Um, and, and well, we'll talk about the reasons. So I've, I would, if it was, if it was not a big decision to have a dog, I would have had a dog 20 years ago. Um, but having raised two children single-handedly, I've been thinking, right, I'm now looking at raising a dog single-handedly. And that is why, much as it's not a surprise to you, I'm serious about wanting one. I'm also humble enough to know I've never had one. And I could massively do with advice and support from somebody like you. Oh, wow. Well, that's awfully sweet. Well, the fact that you've raised two children amazingly and that one is a zookeeper, which I'm in awe of massively, right, puts you in a really good position to bring a dog into your life. Also, spending time with your friends' dogs. But I think the most common mistake people make is to anthropomorphize dogs a little bit okay too much in that there are heaps of similarities between raising children and dogs in that they are basically a huge commitment and a huge commitment every day Mm -hmm. and that like people they have life changes and they go through life stages that you need to be aware of and just because one dog is really great at doing a recall it absolutely doesn't mean that um, another dog of the same type will be any good at doing the recall Mm -hmm. it's all about really understanding each individual dog's drivers picking up on them and turning their world into a game based on rules and teamwork that is the nugget of brilliance okay now the thing is Callie you have got a puppy coming let's cut to the chase here I have got a puppy coming and it's so exciting and I hope that you know I did help last week in guiding you a little bit to this puppy which I wholeheartedly really believe is a golden puppy but it took a little work didn't it Yeah, because I was looking at, so I think, and just to go back, because again, this might be helpful to your listeners, because I know so many people are looking at puppies and have been getting dogs during lockdown. And you and I live right by Hampstead Heath. And I've seen all kinds of things with dogs that's really upset me as an animal lover, despite the fact I, to date, I've not been my own dog person. But the reason, um, yes, so, so, well, first of all, the reason I'm looking at a a miniature wirehaired dachshund, and I'm, we talked about pronunciation, I'm going with the original German, I know you say dachshund, and people say it differently but um so my one of my best friends who lives opposite me has two standard wire heads who I've known you know her oldest one's nearly 15 and I've known them since they were puppies both of them and I walk them at least once a week with her and see them most days so we've been so I'm very familiar with the breed albeit that I know this will be a miniature and it won't be one of those two dogs but um also in terms of just knowing that they'll be very much a part of my support structure you know we want my dog to become very socialized with my friend Joe's dogs so um, it's partly sort of affection of the breed and partly yeah that they're the breed I've been closest to really in my adult life so that's why I was looking for that breed and then I'd had a few conversations with people who knew varying amounts about the breeds and I'd ended up I think almost getting one from what I think appears now to be a puppy farm and I think you sort of helped me realize that there were a few warning bells and again we won't mention sort of names obviously but I think you're talking to you gave me some really clear criteria about what I should be looking for. So, yeah, I think it would be really helpful, actually, for you to recap on that for me and I'm sure for others, because it was invaluable advice, really. 
Oh, thank you. Well, my advice was simply that, yes, a miniature wirehead Daxi couldn't be more of a perfect breed to go for because you know their size, you know roughly what their temperament is going to be like. They're going to be cheeky because the wirehead coated Daxis do descend from terriers, whereas the smooth and the long coated varieties descend from other breeds, one being um, the Irish setter, in, interestingly, with the long coated ones. So you've got different types of genetics in, in, in all breeds of dogs. So the, the mini Daxi appeals to me because I, I love terriers and I love their expressions. And you needed a dog that you could pick up and take on the underground and potentially bring into work with you. So size wise, you know, you need to be practical. It's a lot easier to go up the escalator with a, a dog you can carry than with a, a Great Dane. You know what I mean? So but it was, yes, in terms of this boom that we've seen during the pandemic it's been going on for a while where unscrupulous people are making money out of breeding dogs and in the designer crossbreed world there is no regulation at all so anyone can breed a litter and then market them on the internet as a cavapuchon for example or whatever it might be whereas with the pedigree dogs you have the asset the huge asset of the kennel club and I know loads of people think oh no the kennel club's bad because they promote pedigree dogs and um, inbreeding and disease in dogs and so on but actually nothing could be actually further from the truth and with the assured breeders scheme you know that that puppy has come from totally health tested parents because it's mandatory to health test and also these people that are spending a huge amount of money on health tests and are passionate about a certain breed of dog they only want the best for the longevity of their breed and to do the right thing and of course breeding dogs you know it's a complicated issue. You know, you need to create the right environment. You need um, to make sure they're weaned properly onto the right um, nutritious food. You need um, to understand the brain processes in a puppy, you know, because puppies grow really fast. So by the time you bring this mini Daxi into your home at eight weeks, it's already about, uh, you know, a year old in toddler terms that's oh, really? how... I hadn't thought of it like that yeah absolutely I guess that's... ah and this is some because that's one of the questions I was well first of all just going back to your assured breeders thing so for anyone who's kind of listening to go through the process so after you said that to me I then went on the kennel club looked at all the assured breeders for that breed and then basically I called every single one south of Glasgow because I wanted to see and there, that was about 30 plus um and first of all to see if they had litters coming up but then a couple did and it was really funny the very last person I called was the breeder who I'm getting um getting this this puppy from and just talking to her and the passion she had for her dog for the breed everything about her it just was it was completely compelling listening to her and also she wanted to know quite a bit about me um immediately as well what my background was with animals and just instantly I just thought I I love her approach and then she instantly said are you on whatsapp would you mind if I sent you some pictures of Holly who's pregnant and and the you know the dad and all that you know and, and my setup and I then got about sort of eight pictures of the the pregnant dog and then a couple of her other um she specialized only in 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 Daxons and it was just 
and you could see it was a kind of family home set up not a sort of farm so she inst and she's been in touch with me lots since not in an overbearing way but it was it, it was just night and day really just even calling a few I got a re even beyond the credentials I got a real sense of like personality and what I might expect from the breeder which it felt like I'd chosen the breeder before the dog if that makes sense which is absolutely right that is exactly what you should do you see and the fact that she was grilling you that is really important because she really 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 wants her puppy to go to a really good forever home you know because she respects what what she's doing and she loves her dog so this is so exciting Callie so 2022 will be the year you will never forget I know it would. And do you know what? It feels so, um, and I know we shouldn't be um, talking about dogs as humans, but I'm talking about dogs versus humans. I've decided, Anna, as well, and people who listen to my podcast will know, after the dating disasters of my 52 years on the planet, I've it's a real relief to think, actually, do you know what, for the next few months, not that I won't ever date again, but all I'm really thinking about is, uh, is as well as my work and my friends, is looking forward to a puppy. And it feels so optimistic and lovely. But I am quite nervous about... Um, quite a few things and I have got my eyes a little bit open I think about what might be ahead although I'm sure there'll be some surprises because the first thing I was going to ask you so the eight weeks thing I'd heard different things like my friend who's got the standards said that she believes and this is just her experience she's always had dogs that it's better to leave them with the mums a little bit longer but are you saying then that eight weeks is the best time to get the puppy? I would say eight weeks simply because for me, I mean, I know this uh, lady's got a great environment and will, you know, be, you know, doing everything totally correctly. But for me, I would like to get the puppy into my home as soon as possible so that I can begin feeding her on exactly the right food. Um, I'm assuming it's a girl here, but it might be a boy, right? It's a so, boy I'm after, actually. I want a boy. But what's going to happen if she just has girls? It's possible. Yes, then I'll have to have a girl. You will. <laughs> so that's fine. We've decided that. <laughs> that's um, pragmatism in action, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is, it is. Well, it can happen, you know, that they just have the one sex in, in a litter because they don't have big litters because obviously they're tiny, you know. Yeah, are they on that? Because again, it's just, just to ask you that. So again, I'm basing this, well, partly on my, my friend's dog. So she's got a, a boy and a girl and the and the boy is definitely less neither of them are yappy but if one of them is liable to kick off a tiny bit it would be the girl and I did hear I don't know if this is complete nonsense that the males are slightly less kind of um yeah slightly less yappy and and, and in your you know not not anxious because I don't think it's that anxious a breed but is it true that they have different personalities the boys and the girls miniature daxies or, or not um yeah well across all breeds okay so the reason I would say that um your friend's girl is the barky one the vocal one is because in a multi-dog household where you have a, a female and a male the, you see you're going to love what I'm about to say now <laughs> in a pack of wolves okay and we have to appreciate that all dogs no matter how a mini daxi looks completely different from a wolf 99% of his genes are connected to wolves okay which is just so extraordinary it's a bit like so us I'm getting a chimps. wolf in my you are getting a year. wolf and we're oh chimps Lord. you know but you've got to realize it's yeah, we're 99% chimp I mean we did a podcast on this actually my producer that's listening in the background will be nodding um, I can't remember what episode it was and we were talking about this and you know we are our closest relative is a chimpanzee <laughs> and the and specifically the bonobo ape is our actual very closest relative there you the go chimpanzee family so there, you, there go. you go okay so it's a similar comparison with dogs and wolves um so in 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 dogs 
uh, women are on top, okay, in so much as... And in humans. Of course. Well, yes, but there again, we fought the patriarchal society for a very long time and continue to do so, don't Mm -hmm. we, Kelly? We do. However, in dogs, it's matriarchal from the get-go. So in your friend's household, the girl is the boss. So it's the girl that's making the decisions as to who to bark about and who not to bark about. And the boy will follow her lead. I like that approach. I think we could all learn from that. Absolutely. It's one of the great, great things about dogs, to be honest. So in a wolf pack, the the female will eat first before the male. And, um, you know, I wouldn't like to be that male wolf if, uh, you know, he tried to get his second helping before the, the female. In a single dog household, you know, barking can occur for heaps of reasons. Hopefully it won't. But if it does, you know, I'm at hand, Kelly, to help you um, manage it. And you never really know. You can't say that a certain breed is never going to bark because all dogs can bark. Mm -hmm. So and it's very, very, very important never to reward the barking. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that sort of ties in in terms of the the hierarchy. So um, I've got uh, I, I mentioned this before the podcast um, about my cat, who I think you might have seen on Instagram actually. So I've got a beloved tortoiseshell cat, and she is about nine, I think, and she was a rescue cat years ago. And we had another cat, Sid, who sadly died in the autumn at 18. So we'd had this, so we've we've had cats. She's actually very happy now since died. She's, because tortoiseshells, as you may know, are very much queen bee. Um, they love to be the dominant, uh, the dominant one. They and and she didn't really ever take to there being a stately elder in the house. And she's now really, and she's very bonded to me, almost a bit like a, a dog would be. But not just me. She she bonds to me, my son. The, um, we have a, a lion keeper from London Zoo who um, looks after her when I'm away because she's a friend of my son's. So she gets good care from a lion keeper. So she's bonded to all of us. So one of my biggest fears is what the impact's going to be on her. And I can talk to you in a moment about how I can figure, can configure the house so she doesn't need to have contact with the dog, certainly in the early days. So I've got plenty of space and ways for her to not have to be near the puppy to begin with, but I'll take your lead on how to do that. But the, um, but I, I am really worried about what the hierarchy will be. And I had, I had looked it up and, and it said, you know, let the, let the cat think it's that bring the puppy into the cat's, existing home and the cat will have the dominant position and that's as it should be but you may well have a different um bit of advice on that no no that's actually very good advice I mean I've got a cat as well called Gremlin who is um nearly 11 now actually he he was a stray that as a kitten tiny kitten he moved in with my first bull terrier and I years ago and honestly um well yeah 11 and a half years ago and he adored Molly my bull terrier which was extraordinary because she was nine at the time and absolutely had never lived with a cat really didn't like cats I was extremely concerned when this little five week apparently that's all he was kitten was squeezing through my trellis from the garden next door and I thought where have you come from what do you think you're doing can't you see there's a bull terrier in front of you that isn't too impressed by you doing this anyway long long story short they became the best mates and when Molly passed gremlin really really grieved now roll on a bit I then introduced prudence a miniature bull terrier puppy to keep the wheel of life turning and so on and the first time gremlin saw prudence he 
honestly did do a double take. I've never seen an animal do a double take, but he did a double <laughs> take. Um, and then the process ensued of discovering that Prudence really, obviously, sadly, wasn't Molly. Okay, we have to, you know, and um, Gremlin, I'll be honest with you, is the best dog trainer um, I've ever seen <laughs> I was thinking of hiring him out oh really that's interesting <laughs> yes. yes what prudence had to learn um was to respect the claw okay and it, it you you do have to manage them together gremlins are very he's huge um he's the type of cat that when we spent a couple of years in the shires he would kill and eat whole wild rabbits he used to bring baby bunnies in in baby bunny season and leave them in my bath for later yeah my cat knows how to handle herself as well she's definitely gives the everything in the neighborhood a run for its money and she'll bring in anything she can find if it's a frog or a bird out of a nest so she's also quite a she takes confident. no prisoners I think it's fair to say that, yeah a yeah. confident cat is great so I think you're going to be fine but just be careful because obviously a cat's claw can catch the puppy and you know but for a little bit of respect to be created between the two of them you know mainly because you know it is her home he's the newbie exactly and he'll get lots of attention I'm also aware a bit like when you bring a baby home from hospital and you've got an older one everybody's tempted to give everything to the baby and you have to remember the existing one actually needs needs if anything a bit more to tell them they're still all right but will it in terms of keeping them separate um because I've introduced cats to each other before and we did the kind of keep them in separate bits of the house um have their bed exchange little bits of their bedding so they got used to each other's smells you know stroke one cat and then go to stroke the other cat so they could smell each other um, and then gradually introduce them to each other and let the um, let them sort of set the pace mm -hmm. but is that so I was going to keep my cat I'm getting a couple of extra cat flaps fitted so that basically outside of the downstairs of my house the cat can have the full range of the house and the dog cannot get near the cat but the cat can go at the point at which I decide to let the cat flap be two way, the cat would be able to go downstairs where the puppy is if she wants to. Would that be the way to do it gradually and just let her get used to a sense of a dog in the house and then very gradually in a controlled way, you know, with the dog on a lead, let let, let her come near if she wants? Or how would I actually start to do the integration? Well, I would go a step um, further than that as well. All that sounds absolutely brilliant and super practical. And yes, keeping the puppy on a lead is brilliant. But just be mindful, a mini Daxi is going to be able to get through a cat flap. Right. Yeah, probably. I mean, a mini taxi could get through my cat flap because I've got the the largest size. So the whole size. time, or just when they're just when because I've got just when they're tiny, or or full time, you think they could get through a cat flap? Oh, crumbs! A, a grown-up um, miniature Daxi could get through the. I mean, Gremlin weighs eight kilos. He's not fat. I mean, he can only just get through the largest size cat flap you can buy. Um, I mean, I was thinking about getting a small dog flap. Because we've for got him. a small cat flap. We've got quite. Uh, my one weighs about four kilos, four and a half. So we've got quite small cat flaps then then you might be all right but it's what do you need to do I hadn't thought of that so thank mm, you. yeah no no think on that but better still um get um some really 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 dirty blankets cat blankets that your cat's been lying on loads I mean like really loads right her favorite blanket mm -hmm. and put it in a sealed bag and send it to the breeder 
Oh, so this is that, a good idea. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that your puppy, maybe all of the puppies, I mean, it's not a bad idea for all puppies to um, get a feeling, get a smell of cat pheromones, but each cat has its own individual pheromones. But, but anyway, your puppy will then, through its enormous sense of smell and memory based around smell, which is what basically is a driver, particularly for a scent hound, which is basically what your mini Daxi is, as opposed to a sight hound which is a greyhound or a whippet so um, daxies are like your beagles and your bloodhounds in that group of dogs he, he he or she will be familiar with your cat before he even comes home and is it worth trying to do it the other way around as well it is it is it is yeah absolutely and that's what I did with with prudence you know so I got bedding sent over from the the breeder and introduced put that in gremlin's bed and and so on and so forth so everyone had a bit of vice versa scent going on and I do really honestly believed it it helped massively I mean it will help massively so that's something I, I would say and then yes exactly that all your common sense practical approach it is called in a way not rocket science and I think you know your, your pragmatic approach as well Callie is going to um, help enormously another idea might be to get one of your you may have done this already one of your friends Daxies over just for a cup of tea with your friend so that um, you know a dog of a sausage like shape isn't a complete shock to your cat when one comes into the home little things like that's probably a good idea to do as well yeah she's definitely and again this does um, worry me but I think because she's never had contact with dogs she wouldn't know because I don't even let my cats out the front of the house because we're on a road so I only let my cats out the back they have no access to the front and I never let them near the front so the only dogs they'd have ever seen was if any were in a house or a garden backing onto us but they've never been on the street and seen dogs go by and I do know that that she's going to have a shock with a dog my son used to do a bit of dog walking before he went off and got a full-time zoo job and occasionally he'd be at the door with a couple of dogs asking me could I grab a hat he'd forgotten or whatever and she was never a fan of dogs on the doorstep but I did also think that's quite a good instinct why should she be they're not dogs she knows we haven't integrated them so her first instinct with a dog I think is going to be fully hissing hostile which is fine so long as she doesn't catch their ear I'm a gremlin with my little rescue dog Mr Binks oh dear it was a massive drama because I'd like to just sort of just discuss why actually you know a Buying a puppy from a good breeder is actually oftentimes more practical in certain instances, particularly if you have a cat, than rescuing. Because a lot of people do get a lot of flack, you know, Callie, for myself included, for buying a dog when there are thousands in rescue that are mm -hmm. lovely dogs potentially and they do all need a really good home mm -hmm. however if you have a cat that you love very much then really a rescue bringing a rescue in that's an adult can have problems whereas with a puppy integrating a young puppy with an older cat is definitely more likely to go smoothly and indeed many rescues will say this dog cannot be rehomed with a cat mm -hmm. cannot be rehomed with other dogs cannot you know so it does limit the rescuing opportunities you see so I just wanted to say that for, for the record and and to you know buy a dog from a reputable responsible assured kennel club breeder is a wonderful thing to do and I just wish more people would do it but so many people are now now obsessed with just buying whatever they want on Amazon 
you know, um, I'm amazed Amazon isn't selling dogs as, as dreadful as that statement. And designer dogs as well. It's funny because one of the things that we that that I kind of smelt a slight rat about with the but when we were talking about breeders was whenever I know that there's been a crossbreed that's come out of a sort of breeder and it said it's accidental, you always think, is it accidental if there was a very sweet, cute crossbreed litter or was it actually not really officially accidental? And I think one of the things you said, and again, having grown up in the countryside and grown up with animals, is the idea that you you do want somebody to have a genuine kind of passion and association with a particular breed and not be coming up with something that looks cute on Instagram I guess is that is that would that be your view absolutely and it's about you know um like with like really I mean some some of these designer you know crossbreeds I mean the puggle for example is is one of mine if if left to self-selection would a beagle really find perfect love with a pug and the two dogs are completely different mm-hmm. one is a scent hound and the other is a very ancient aristocratic toy breed bred by the emperors in china hundreds and thousands in fact years ago okay it's like edward and mrs simpson it's a you know a disapproving <laughs> match is it a- <laughs> well it's just an odd match really of two because behaviorally what that then means is that you have a massive breadth of genetic behavior genes going on and so you don't really know is your puggle going to be pug-like which is completely different to being a beagle or is it going to be vice versa now if you wanted your puggle to be more like a pug but it ends up that a lot of its genetic makeup has come down from the beagle you're in for a big shock because beagles are notoriously naughty and difficult to train and high energy and and you know need a lot of exercise whereas a pug you know is 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 kind of different very cheeky and comical but you know they're not as high maintenance as, as a beagle for example so it's things like that you know and I just for me, I just don't see the point of crossing a Springer Spaniel with a Labrador to get a Springer door. You know, I would rather either have a Springer Spaniel or a Labrador. But to put these two dogs together, I, I mean, my classic one that a lot of trainers speak out about at the moment, and it's partly because the people that will take these dogs on are first-time dog owners, and they like this type of dog because it looks like a teddy bear. It is the cockapoo. Yeah, there's loads of cockapoos, and in fact, a friend of mine got a cockapoo when her kids left home and hadn't done a huge amount of research into it and I think isn't a massive sort of animal person and after 18 months did end up we had a friend of her mum's um really really wanted one and she rehoused it to a you know this this um, lovely cockapoo to a lovely lovely home where the cockapoo's very happy so it worked out okay but I do remember it was it was more constraining for her than when we both had tiny children she just literally could not leave I think it must have been also partly training and lack thereof but she couldn't leave she could couldn't even go out for more than an hour to the shops and I I was just like, God, this is, I couldn't think of anything worse. No, and that's it. Certain breeds were well, combinations of the cockapoo are so known for their anxiety. And nobody really knows the reason why. Um, I mean, one reasonable reason is that you actually have a very highly tuned gun dog on your hands. Definitely not a teddy bear. So on high alert the whole time. 
Yeah, and they need a lot of needs fulfilling that arguably living in London, you can't fulfill. I mean, there aren't many pheasants bursting out of hedgerows on Hampstead Heath even. The way I'm looking at a massive wood pigeon sitting eating all my bird's food out on the roof terrace right now. So they could go there. And is it so in terms, because in terms of the, um, so to having somebody who only specialises in certain breeds and purebreds, if you're going to look for a breeder, that felt reassuring to me. And also that she absolutely loves the breed so much. But is it, um, and in terms of the cat, it sounds like what you're saying is that the cat will I'm hoping at worst they will learn to cohabit without any conflict even if they don't love each other I'm hoping I can get to the point where it's where the peace is maintained if not love do you think that's a realistic expectation no it really really is and even after Mr Binks had a bit of a traumatic experience with gremlins so I'd brought him home literally you know it was one of those things I'd driven miles and miles I got home I was dying to go to the loo so ran upstairs I was then living in my cottage in the shires whilst up there I could hear this screaming going on so I ran downstairs so quickly and the floor was covered in blood and I was like what on earth has happened and Mr Binks was shaking and Gremlin was on my (laughs) lounge table at the time and I'm like what 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 and I was trying to see where the blood was coming from it was coming from Mr Binks's ear and what Gremlin had done was put him in his place straight away the minute he'd brought through that door I really didn't think Gremlin was going to react in such a way. And he um, took a tiny piece out of Mr. Binks's ear, oh, which no, has that's healed. Still, that's obviously still gone to this day. Absolutely. Aww. And so Mr. Binks and Gremlin have been, you know, enemies, really. However, after, you know, whatever, nearly eight years now of living together, their feud, if you like, is getting less. And Gremlin now respects Mr. Binks more as he's manned up. You see, what Gremlin saw in Mr. Binks, which is dreadful, was weakness. Yeah. And Gremlin is a bully cat. So... It, it was a real wake up call for me, to be honest with you. And okay, it, that's good to hear because my my cat's a bit like that as well. My cat's definitely got a bit of swagger, and yeah, I'm going to yeah. need to keep a bit of a close eye on that. I think that's um, right. Yeah. Whereas swagger with my dog Prudence helped no end. To yes. be honest, so we won't yeah. really know, will we? I guess until we know the puppy's personality a bit as well as I know my cat's personality well. But I guess only time's going to tell. That's right. That's right. So, yes, I've never actually talked about that moment with Mr. Binks and and it was horrific. It obviously wasn't how I planned anything. And it was simply really driven from the need to rush to the loo. But anyway. um, So always um, take a she-wee with you. That's the first. That's a really, really good idea. Yes. (laughs) But there's lots of time, you know, you've got you've got eight weeks before the puppies are born, maybe maybe seven now. Yes. And then another eight weeks. They're due at the start of March. And so I'll be getting the puppy end of April, beginning of May. Which I think is a perfect timing, you see, because you've got the whole of the summer and hopefully, well, definitely light evenings and hopefully good, dry, clement weather ahead to do lots of training and lots and lots of socialisation. So for me to bring a puppy into your life in springtime is perfect timing. And will you, in terms of the, because um, one of the things I know all of this is going to need training and I am, again, I know I keep banging on about coming from an animal background, but I am very aware of the amount of energy and time that's going to need to go into this, albeit I've never done it and I need loads of help and advice as to how to, but I'm understanding the sort of level of commitment and time and space this is going to take. Obviously, ultimately, one of the things you and I have talked about, my work as a comedian and a speaker, obviously the good bit is my work as a writer is at home, but I am also traveling quite a bit. And 
we talked about the fact um, I go down to Cornwall quite a lot. I go over to Amsterdam where I drive. So again, I could drive once the dog's got a dog passport. But I guess it's training the dog to be okay and happy traveling then and not just assuming that will come naturally. Is is that right? Absolutely. But um, I think you said the breeder was in Lincolnshire. So at eight weeks, your puppy and you are going to spend your first real experience together driving. And interestingly, the first... Well, Prudence, my, my bull terrier is from Germany, actually. So I actually did drive to Germany <laughs> to get her. I would expect so, nothing less of you, Anna, that you would drive to Germany to get the dog you love. That's what we want to hear. Exactly. So we spent hours. She was just in her carry crate on the front seat, you know, with the seat belt around it. So she wouldn't go flying if we, we you know. And she's the best traveller ever. But of course, it does also need training. So what I suggest, you see, this is why to get the puppy at eight weeks. So at eight weeks in a little carry crate or a bag, if there's so many great bags for small dogs that you can get. And I'd what I can help you do is train your puppy to jump in his bag, his carry bag on command. That's so easy to train. And then you can just go in your bag, take him onto the comedy set, train him to stay in his bag until you might want him to join in your comedy set and give him a little hand signal or a little whistle or a funny sound or just a cue and he'll jump out of his bag and perform and that's Aww. all totally feasible but no from the minute you get him if you're going to be traveling in the car with him a lot take him in the car do little drives around the place just as special I mean don't leave him in the car on his own because no, of dog of theft so you yeah. have to you have to make time to train your dog and in this time this age where we no one's got any time it is a factor and that's why I think a lot of people are having so many issues at the moment because they don't realize how much time goes into training a dog so you're you know you will have to do the journey back with him but thereafter you know practice just being on on the pavement with the car not going anywhere just the radio on then you turn the engine on you get that right then you drive up the road and back again then you go a little bit further don't attempt on your first journey with him to drive to Amsterdam sure know. so just build him up very gently and exactly. gradually because he will need to get particular I'm quite you mentioned earlier on the tube and I'm I've, I'm sort of I'm really hoping most of the time I wouldn't and certainly not on a busy tube I, I'd like to find a way not to have to do that um, as much as possible and find other ways around that I don't use the tube much um, are you allowed to take dogs on trains are, are yeah. there any restrictions around that no you are allowed they're free um, you know they are supposed to be on the floor but if the carriage wasn't busy a dog in a bag or a dog sitting on your coat is a, is acceptable I've sure done just that not on the actual like, and in terms of because I don't want to I, I'm really aware again of making sure that I fit around the dog's life as much as the dog around mine you know that I'm not just dragging it dragging him along to places he doesn't want to go I'm insisting on calling him him still um, but is that so that's all to play for in because I know you said that this breed it was appropriate that I know there are some are there some breeds that are less happy travelers than others no not really some I think it's more more practical you know so bigger dogs are more difficult to take on a train of course because they take up more space and on a crowded overground train you know in London it's easier to have a smaller dog um, even though people will take their bicycles on and prams you know but uh, you know some people will roll their eyes and of course he is so small that you will hold him because the worry is of course with a smaller dog like say my Mr Binks people People aren't looking down people never look down so you have to be really aware if you're doing public transport that you've got to carry him 
otherwise someone will tread on him, you know, mm-hmm. which would be really awful. Yes, Callie, I mean, you've got the whole world opening up to you now, all sorts, you know, you need to choose the right diet for him, you know, you've got to find a groomer that will hand strip him because that's the way to do a wire-haired coat. Mm-hmm. Um, none of these gadgets, hand stripping, but, you know, I can help advise on all of these things. I feel living near Hampstead, there must be hand stripping groomers around. Yes, I think there is one at the Pet Pavilion, which opened fairly recently in uh, Hampstead. Um, where, oh, I know where, that. Yeah, I go past yeah, it a lot. Yeah, they'll do hand stripping, for example, but it's to know that you specify that, for example. Otherwise, you'll absolutely ruin his coat mm-hmm. by taking the, the nice wiry top coat off and he'll turn into a fluff ball. Mm-hmm. You need to things to consider. Am I going to neuter him or her or not? So I urge you to listen to episode 30 of A Dog's Life with my house vet, Lee's Hanson, and make your decision after you've listened to that podcast. Okay. I'm writing this all down. <laughs> I've gone quiet, not stunned silence, but I'm making avid <laughs> notes, as no doubt lots of your listeners will be to this episode. The other thing I was going to ask, um, just uh, it's an obvious one, isn't it? But in terms of leave it, luckily my life is such that 80% of the time the dog can be with me either at home or wherever I am in, in a sort of an appropriate environment. The bits where the dog can't be or where there's a day I can't walk the dog or I need, you know, or I've got to go away overnight. I've got the lovely benefit of the fact that my friend opposite very rarely travels and has her two dogs and we're planning to socialise them all so they know each other very well. So she's always very happy to have my dog for a night or two. And she's really keen that I'm getting this breed because she loves them so much. It's um, perfect, Kelly. I'm so excited. It's like for a sort you. of kibbutz of wire-haired daxies um, <laughs> is what we're planning in the road. But is it, um, if, if I were to go out, so say I've got a gig in, London and once the puppy's a bit older so if I needed to go out say it's usually about three hours from leaving the house to coming back in the evening in in the in the fullness of time is that going to be fine for a dog that won't be mean to leave the dog for that long no, no, no. And I think a lot of people are making mistakes not to train their dog to be left alone. So actually, my biggest tip for you is this. The moment you get your puppy home, create some separation. Mm-hmm. So settle him, her in a in a crate, I would, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with water and comfy, a blanket from the mother that you'll breed your breeder will insist on that to be honest mm-hmm. and the radio on for example and leave him alone and mm-hmm. create some separation because that's when you need to do it to ensure that there won't be any screaming or tantrums or fear incurred by you so you're not going to make him too clingy they're, they're not a clingy breed to be honest but all dogs can become clingy if you train them to be clingy and is and that so I would leave and how long would it so things like the radio and that's a really good thing to do as a rule of thumb is it so when the dogs are on it so often okay um doesn't matter which station I take it it doesn't always have to be you on the Jeremy Vine shirt it could be anything right <laughs> um anything absolutely I like voice some people like you know classical music it, it, it doesn't really matter the dog will adapt to whatever you play to the dog you know mm-hmm. that's the thing some people say oh gosh you know my my dog doesn't like playing with this great toy that's called a Kong you know and I will say to them that's because you haven't shown your dog how to interact with the Kong properly you know, we're, what we're, is a Kong? Oh, a Kong. Well, you, don't worry, it'll be on your shopping list, Callie, that I'm more than happy to send over I'm to you. I'm so saving now, your to puppy, be <laughs> Your puppy has everything he needs. It's um, it's an interactive toy that's made out of rubber um, and it's like a beehive. Um, okay, so that you put really delicious 
food into this. Ah, this it's like enrichment center. for animals. My son Absolutely. does enrichment at the zoo for his no, animals. That's right. Make, Your son yeah. will be using Kongs with the monkeys. Yeah, sure. he does. Yeah, mm, they make mm. their versions of Kongs. Okay, I yeah, get it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you need to have um, all of these things, obviously, before he arrives. So, yes, that's a, a, a great, great, great interactive toy. So you're basically enriching, distracting, stimulating, and you've got so much to think about. It's so exciting. I'm quite envious. I've got, I've got puppy envy. Ah, oh, well, you're definitely, if you're willing to be, uh, very much able to be part of this journey. But no, I'm really excited. And I am um, definitely, people keep saying to me, it's a real empty nest cliche, because as you know, Anna, both my kids sort of permanently left home in September which the very same week my beloved old cat died so I got and and I split up with my partner so I went from um you know two adults or three adults besides me and two animals to just me and one animal and it's been quite a shift and people keep saying it's such a you know cliche that you're getting a dog now but I think well it's not a cliche it's common sense isn't it I love beating hearts around me and responsibility and nurturing and and company so it's understandable that yes absolutely that's why I want to get a dog as as a proper life companion you know that means a lot to me yeah and it is about your next chapter now as well and life is a series of chapters so this chapter is going to be the mini Daxty chapter and it's going to open up so much material I, I believe for writing and for your comedy and loads and loads more but more than that you know I mean for example you know stroking your puppy okay is going to release the uh, hormone and neurotransmitter oxytocin that that you only get from stroking and cuddling your own dog but if you were to stroke my little Mr Binks that would lower your blood pressure but it wouldn't release oxytocin. Oh, is that right because I brain. get massive maybe it's because I've known them since they were puppies but I get the most enormous surge of wellness when I'm with my friends dogs who I know who I see so often I particularly her littlest one who I was with all the time as a puppy and stuff because by then I didn't have my day job and um, yeah I get a massive surge of sort of happiness my days on Saturdays we go for massive walks with them and those are my that's always my happiest day of the week just out with her and her dogs wandering around Hampstead Heath. Yeah, but it's brilliant. But that's, you see, that's the other aspect, you know, that if you don't have dogs, you don't walk on Hampstead Heath. So people who don't own dogs don't connect with nature or don't see nature as much as those that do have dogs. And, you know, nature is a great healer. And you're, you, you know, you're inhaling oxygen in the main and all sorts of things. But that it, this is all part of it. This is why dog owners are said to live longer than non dog owners. Dog owners smile more than non dog owners. And we're all dog owners kind. I mean, you know, Hitler was a dog owner um, but oh, you know don't spoil it, it we were having such a lovely chat <laughs> and now you start throwing Hitler into the mix no I know but you end. know it's it's always the um anti anti antithesis of of the argument you know Trump you know, didn't have a dog though did he everyone no. that's one of the things everyone commented on the difference between Trump's family setup including lack of dog and then the Bidens coming into the White House mm. well no Trump was the only president ever in the American history not to have a dog and so. in that house of course you'd want a dog wouldn't you don't even need to go to Hampstead Heath just <laughs> take it round the round the grounds yeah exactly having said that it is good to take your dog out of your garden no matter how big or small it my is garden's just so enrichment. small the dog will need to go out of the garden trust me I've got more of a sort of patio than a huge garden yeah 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 no but you know there's that argument you know are dog dog people better than non-dog people I don't know but um I, I think we know you do are. from the way you left that one hanging but you can't say it 
<laughs> well, Callie, please keep me posted and send me pictures and a shopping list of necessary items will be winging their way to you, Callie. Oh, amazing. Yes. And it'd be lovely to keep talking and then see how I'm doing when the puppy's actually here. And then you've got to decide on a name. And on that note, we will say toodaloo until the next time. Thanks for having me, Anna. Thank you for joining me, Callie. It's been an honour. Well, Mr Binks, that's our show. What did you think? Yes, it is brilliant that Callie has found the perfect breeder for her coveted miniature wirehead Daxi puppy that's coming soon. And you're right, Mr Binks, it is time for Woof of the Week. I can't stress enough how important it is that people really should research their puppy and their breeder. People often spend more time researching their car than they do their pup. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again to Callie Beaton and all her links are in the show notes. Thanks also to my producer, Mike Hansen. Find out more about him at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, we will be back in your feed next Sunday. So if you haven't already, please subscribe. It's free. That way, you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.